Thank you. That sounds so good. Thank you. Praise God. You may be seated this morning, and um, we'll turn to the Word of God now. I want to share with you um, a story we know it well, Bartimaeus. On the road to Jericho, um, from Jericho, the road from Jericho, an amazing thing happened. And um, I want to share with you this morning, I'm going to share with you this morning that um, um, Bartimaeus was um, damaged goods, wasn't he? He had, he had um, um, problems in his life. He was, um, had a disability, um, but he was determined, and he was a disciple. And that's what I'm going to try to share with you this morning and see if we can see how that affects us in our life. Are you all hearing me at all very good? You all, you all hear okay? I know it's muffled. I know it's muffled, but we're working on that. So one day it won't be quite so muffled. But let's, let's read this um, scripture and see what God has to say to our hearts today about um, being um, disabled and determined and and discipled, okay? So here's the word in Mark chapter 10. And they came to Jericho, and as he was leaving Jericho with his disciples and a great crowd. Now, uh, we, we pass over that so quickly. It, it was his disciples and a great crowd. Friends, it was a great crowd, you know? It was sort of a crowd probably uh, connected like to Ohio State yesterday. Okay, that kind of a crowd, you know, rambunctious, loud, um, um, following that, uh, what's that guy that scored all the touchdowns, you know, I'm sure that he didn't have to buy dinner last night, and, and whatever else, you know, it, was just, it, was a, it wasn't a, a little crowd of people walking down the street, there was people all over the place yelling and, and wanting to get close to Jesus. And then there was this guy Bartimaeus, a blind beggar the son of Timaeus. He was sitting by that roadside. And when he heard, when he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to cry out and say, Jesus, son of David. Now, think about that. He had to yell over the throng that was following, following Jesus. It wasn't just a calm thing. Um, it, was a, it was a screaming thing. Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. <coughs> And many of the people uh, around him rebuked him, telling him to shut up, you know, quit fooling around. He doesn't have time for you. But that caused him to cry out all the more, Son of David, have mercy on me. Jesus stopped. Jesus stopped. Now, friends, Jesus did this a lot. I think he did it more than we can ever imagine. Do you remember he was in the temple one time? And um, he was he was right where all the coffers were, the the um, the iron or the copper kettles that had a great big mouth on them, then went down and went out. And each of those in the uh, t- uh, temple of the Gentiles, each of those coffers that was there, there was ten of them. They were des- designed that they would go f- to some place. The first one probably went to the temple because it was temple stuff that you put in there. And then one was for our orphans and one was for widows. One was for uh, taking care of whomever. But you put your money in there and, and you made it, it go swirl around. And the more money you put in, the louder the noise. 
And then there's all these people yakking and talking. And all of a sudden, Jesus says to everybody, he says, oh, did you guys just hear that? You know, you have to picture it. All these ten things, and especially because Jesus is sitting there teaching, I bet you there was people throwing all kinds of money in there. But this little old lady walks in with two pennies. And she throws that in there. Now, what would two pennies make a noise like? Nothing compared to everything else that was going on. Nothing. And Jesus stops everybody and he says, oh, oh, did you hear that? All these other people have been giving of their abundance, not from their heart. Here's this woman that didn't have anything and gave her a heart. She gave it all. Jesus had the habit of stopping because people were needing him and people were willing to be near him. And he says to everybody there, call this guy. Who is this guy? Get him up here. So they called the blind man saying to him, take, oh man, you're, this is your day. You hit the lottery. Take heart. Get up. He's calling you. And we pass by this. Throwing off his cloak. He sprang up and came to Jesus. Now listen, when he threw off his cloak, we, don't, we pass that by you like, oh gosh, yeah, he wanted to free himself of anything. Get he threw off his cloak. Has so many meanings behind it. You should let me just go ahead and, and share with you the rest of the service for an hour or so about what that means that he threw his cloak off. His cloak was probably the most valuable piece of, of material that he owned. Because of that cloak, he was able, if he really wanted to, he could take that to the, to the Huntington Bank. Well, maybe not Huntington. But, um, oh, I shouldn't say that. I'm sorry. <laughs> he could take it to the bank and get a loan for that cloak. didn't matter how terrible it was. It didn't matter anything about it. That cloak is the most valuable thing that you have. Especially if you're a beggar. He threw it off. A blind man threw it off. In the midst of that crowd, how in the world was he ever going to get it back? I don't think he cared about getting it back. I don't think he was worried about that. He threw off his cloak and ran up to Jesus. And then Jesus said to him, what do you want me to do for you? Now, friends, <laughs> a blind man, probably, he probably ran up to Jesus. Boom, ran right into him. You know, he didn't know where he was at. Oh, wait, you're getting close. He didn't have those things like we have on the car. You know, when you're backing up, beep, 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 yeah, God, you shoot it. He ran up to Jesus, and Jesus looks at this blind guy and says, what do you want me to do for you? It's an important question. Remember the guy at the well, at the, at the pool of Siloam? He asked him, what do you want me to do for you? He says, well, I'd like to get healed, but they gave him all kinds of excuses. Do you remember that? Here the guy says, Barnabas has never been asked this before in his life, I don't imagine. Never been given that much uh, credit that he could think about something like this. But he says to Jesus, he says, Rabbi, Rabbi, let me recover my sight. And Jesus said to him, go your way. Your faith has made you well. And immediately he recovered his sight and followed him followed Jesus along the way. And you know where Jesus was going? For Mark, this is the last thing that Mark talks about as um, Jesus doing anything other than going to the cross. The rest of Mark is spent Jesus being there. And guess where Bartimaeus was? 
all along that journey with him. All along that journey with him. He would have been there to cross with him. <coughs> um, this is the word of God for all of his people today. Let's pray together. God, we just thank you this morning um, for your word. And we pray that it would challenge our hearts. And even more importantly, we pray that we would listen to that challenge and then respond to it. Not just be hearers, but be doers of your word. This word challenges us to get past our disabilities, to be determined to become your disciple. Help us to hear that today, Lord, if nothing else. And I pray that your servant's words would be nothing more than your words today. We pray it in your son's name and for his glory. And all of God's children said, Amen. Let me share with you these three things um, that I think are important for us to gain from this story. Um, and, and the first thing that we need to understand if, uh, is that Jesus was other-oriented in everything that he did. And I think here he teaches us some valuable lessons about how we should be other-oriented too. Everybody in the world knew that um, Bartimaeus was disabled. I'm sure that there was people that walked by him every day and their whole mission was to walk by him and, and give him some monies. Not very much, probably enough to get on. But, uh, and there's probably many people that walked by him every day and never gave him a, a thought, let alone do anything to help him. Many people in our lives today, I think, are disabled. Um, and, and we look for just the physical disabilities. But I think there's, there's some that are sitting right with us this morning that we meet throughout the week that um, are in our families that are, are, are total strangers that are disab- have disabilities too. Um, maybe spiritually we have our disabilities. You know what I mean? Um, it could be socially. Socially, we have disabilities. Um, Mentally, we have uh, disabilities. And I think some of these disabilities that we have are brought on by ourselves and then brought on by others. Uh, We we live in a world that we think is um, pretty gracious, but it's not, is it? I was watching the news this morning, and um, they were talking about Philadelphia. And in this year, 400 young people have been killed. In Philadelphia, one kid says, yeah, we live in a war zone. If they go out, they go out armed because they know somebody's going to pull a gun on them. Oh, my. I remember, I remember being in, uh, with an Amish family one time that um, the father was killed um, down in Navarre and uh, was real close to the family. And real close to the father. Um, and I remember her showing me the police report. And on the police report, um, her father, her husband was killed. And um, a drunk driver hit him. Hit him in the back and threw him and his horse and his carriage and everything some 150 feet into the ditch, into the field off of the road. They never charged the guy. They never charged him for anything. And on the police report, are you ready for this? On the police report, it said it was just an Amishman. Yeah. Can you imagine? 
<laughs> that was that wasn't that long ago, but it was quite. It was probably 20 years ago. But he was just an Amishman, so it didn't really didn't really matter, you know. I I think we have disabilities all around us, and sometimes we forget that we are supposed to be other oriented. Jesus shares with us here a very important lesson. I think, and that lesson is that every person is is important. Every person desire needs to hear and have have that um, hope that somebody cares for him. Barnabas was was helpless, my friends. You have to understand it. He was a desperate man seeking seeking somebody to touch his life to to help him along his way. I don't imagine he ever thought about being healed and being able to see. But God does says something to us that's un- unbelievably. Um, powerful that if we are other oriented like Jesus is and see that everybody's important we can all help them to see past their disability amen we can we can help people and I know I'm the result of people caring for me that um that my lifestyle changed friends you know it's, it's I was thinking about this last night it was 50 years ago that I was I was in prison I was in prison 50 years ago. It was 50 years ago Phyllis went down and told her mom, hey, I met this guy one time, but I think I'm going to marry him, you know. And, and her mom said, well, where's he at? And she said, he's in jail. And her mom, saint that she is, looked at her and said, Phyllis, only you and God know what you're doing, and I hope it's all good. Well, 50 years later, we'll be married 50 years in January, Phyllis Ann, in case you didn't know that. Hmm. Yeah, and everybody in the world knew it wouldn't last 50 days, you know. Uh, Being other-oriented requires us, as Jesus did, not to lose sight of our mission. Our mission, if you don't know it, here in this church is to grow in Christ. That's our desire, to grow in Christ, and I hope we want to grow in Christ so we can share that with others. The mission of the United Methodist Church is to go and make disciples for the transformation of the world. That's how we change the world, by making disciples. We can't lose sight of that vision. So that means that every person, every person is a person of value, of worth. Every person, the person we don't like the most, the person that we see every day and, and have troubles with, the person, no matter who it is, that has that disadvantage of that handicap, no matter what it is, mentally, physically, spiritually, emotionally, it, it doesn't matter. They are the person that Jesus died for. And we are to reach out to them and be a reflection of his love and keep, keep the mission in sight that they too can celebrate and walk up. Be heard. We all want to be heard. Amen? <laughs> Second thing I want you to see about Barnabas was that he was determined, wasn't he? He was determined, and, and uh, I think uh, that uh, he probably had enough of the crowd telling him what to do. Um, but Jesus teaches us in this determination that Barnabas had is we got to ask people, what do you want from me? What do you want? Now, 
me and a young man was talking about this Monday night, and um, we talked for a great length because he said to me, he said, I've got three people hounding me right now. And while we were sitting there talking, all three people texted him. And uh, he said, here's another one, here's another one. Never gave me any information or anything, and I didn't want it. But uh, (laughs) he said, all they want is money. And uh, he said the one person wanted uh, had to get a new radiator or something in his car. And he said, well, give me the place where you take it and I'll give him the money over there. No, 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 you got to give it to me. You know? Uh, I've had people do that. They'll call up and they want help with their rent. And I said, okay, give me your um, uh, uh, landlord's number and, and everything. And I'll call them and let them know we're going to give you $100 or $200. No, 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 he won't take it. You got to give it to me. I said, no, we don't give cash away, do we? People are determined. So we have to ask the question, what do you want? Because, uh, understand this, it's all about helping people, isn't it? All about helping people. Every time I go to the downtown Cleveland, which I go to again next Thursday, when I go, or yeah, next Thursday, I go to downtown Cleveland, give, Phyllis Ann gives me $20. Give this to somebody. And there's always people up there needing help in there. So, and, and I don't ask them what they need it for. I, you know, give it to them faithfully. Um, we see Jesus asking this guy, this guy who's determined to be, I don't know what he was determined to, but, but we find out, but he's determined to see Jesus and ask him a question. And then Jesus asks him, what do you want me to do? And, and he looks at him and he says, I would, he probably, in his mind, probably thought, oh my Lord, Nobody's ever asked me that before. Nobody's ever taken the time to look at me in the face and to, to ask me what it is that you need. And he comes back with the need of, of, of the world. Um, I want to see. I want to see. And I, I got to tell you, we have people around us that have that question. I want to see. Uh, but they see perfectly well, don't they? You know, if you listen to this text real close, James and John came to Jesus. And they looked at Jesus and they said, will you do whatever we ask of you? And he said, oh, sure. <laughs> if it's a good question, I will. And you know what they wanted? Do you remember what they wanted? One one to set his right hand, one to set his left hand when he gets into glory. And he says, you guys can't do that. I can't even let you do that because I don't know who's going to be there. But sometimes we ask for the wrong things, don't we? So we have to watch the determination of people who want to abuse the system. And, and yet at the same time, we don't want to miss anybody that's there. And it's, it's a hard road to go down. I can't imagine Donna with um, um, Salvation Army, amen? Lions Club, you know, we, we do all this stuff for these people. We do stuff here for, for folks you wouldn't believe. And, and, and we have to go on that faith that they're determined to get what's best for them to help them get through life. Um, it's difficult, friends. Don't, don't think that it's not. That's why we have to be looking past the disabilities. I think the biggest thing that we find here is that Barnabas became a disciple of Christ. Now, I want you, I want you to grab a hold of something that, that we don't even know about and don't even take for granted. 
I hate to tell you this, but Barnabas wasn't Barnabas's name. Do you know that? Barnabas was just a description of this blind man. Barnabas literally meant son of Timaeus. So everybody knew that Barnabas was Barnabas because he was son of Timaeus. Nobody knows his name. Nobody knew his name. We had a guy, uh, Tim, can I work with him for 11 years? And his name was Sam. I went to his house one day and I said, is Sam here? And she looked at me like, you have the wrong address, brother. I said, what do you mean? And she said, uh, there's no Sam lives here. I said, doesn't a guy who worked at Temkin, an old guy, see his car out in the driveway? Yeah, that's my husband, Steve. So I looked at Sam, and, I, and he came to the door, and I said, Sam, why do we call you Sam? He says, I don't know. You know, 50 years ago, somebody called me Sam, and it's stuck. Nobody knew his name, so we, I, call, I would call him Steve all the time at work, and they'd all look around like, who are you talking to? I said, Steve. Sam. Everybody knew Barnabas, but I want to tell you that's not his name. But this day, this day Barnabas got a name. When he, when he, when he had that experience with God, with Christ, with the Holy Spirit, everything in his life changed. And, and, um, and I want to tell you, that's what happens when you and I are other-oriented and seeking to be like Christ, to introduce people who are disabilities, or are determined sometimes to be that way. Our job, our ministry, our mission, even, even here, always people were trying to distract Jesus. God, oh, you don't have time to deal with that blind man. We don't even know his name, but it's Barnabas, it's the son of Timaeus. You know, he probably did something, Timaeus probably did something sinful whenever, he, that's what they would say, you know. It wasn't Barnabas' fault, it was Timaeus' fault. You and I need to understand that our goal is to make disciples, to help people become that disciple that follows. You have to listen to it. Jesus says to him, after he asked that prominent question immediately I believe he could see and um, Jesus says go ahead man go your way everything is cool you don't have to do anything now there's a big old red flag right there most of the time we don't do anything for somebody unless they can do something back for us Isn't isn't that true come on let's be honest with each other I'll help you because I know that in the end you're going to help me Sad commentary, but that's how... Jesus doesn't do that. He doesn't expect anything in return. Doesn't expect a thing. You know, the church today, um, we go through everything and help these families and help people do stuff, and, and then as soon as they're all okay, guess what happens? They're gone. Gone until when? They're in a crisis again. And then they come back. And, and, um, and, and we have these people that we jokingly say, come on back, the roof won't fall in. Well, don't ever say that to somebody. Because they already know that. And all they need to do, you need to do, is quit throwing more guilt on them. Amen? We, 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 we know people that are disabilityed friends, that are determined to stay that way. And they don't like the idea of being a disciple, following somebody else. But here, here, we need to understand we do it expecting nothing in return. 
if we do it expecting, if we do any ministry whatsoever expecting something to happen, ah, geez, this story just came to my mind. <laughs> I, I was in a, in a community one time, and it was a different church, and the pastor and I and several other pastors were meeting, and he threw a bombshell at us one time. He said to us, he said, anybody in the church that didn't make a certain amount of money and put a certain amount in the offering, they didn't do too much with them. Well, right away I went, oh, Lord. Right away I went, oh, geez. And then he said, and if you want to be on a committee or you want to be in the choir, you have to prove that you give me 10% of your Money, what he said is you have to tell me how much you make and then show me how much you give to the church. How would you like that? See, you know, I'm a bad pastor, but that's really bad. Amen? <laughs> I'm telling you, I don't care what anybody gives. I hate it when somebody walks in and gives me a check and says, here, put this in there. I turn it over right away because I don't even want my eye to glance at it. I don't want to know how much anybody's making. I don't want to know how much you're doing. Out there. I don't, it doesn't bother me one bit. What bothers me is that we put people in classes of disability, don't we? And we're determined not to work with them. I've been in churches where young people who had disabilities. mental and physical disabilities literally were asked not to come. Don't bring your child. He's too much of an uproar. I remember being in Sunday school class system one time and they had this kid that the parents dropped off every, every Sunday morning for Sunday school and they'd come and get him when it was over with and they never darkened the, the day of uh, the light of the church sanctuary or anything like that or any other time. They just wanted to get rid of this kid every Sunday morning for an hour and have a break. Well, this kid, all he heard at home was that's every word that probably he heard, every other word probably started with the letter F. And so he came to Sunday school doing the same thing. And, and the Sunday school teacher grabbed me and says, oh, we've got to get this kid out of here. He cannot come. And I looked at her and I said, geez, you mean we're only here for good kids and not bad kids? This is the very kid that needs to be here and we're going to throw him away? Okay, maybe not. Can you give somebody to help me give, bring a boy in? Well, yeah, bring an adult in. So we got an adult guy to go in. And every time he would say that, the guy would just say, yeah, you know, we don't use that word here. And after a while, he didn't use that word there. But he didn't know there was a separation, did he? Until somebody wanted to help him become a disciple. I'm telling you, friends, we pass by what it means to be a social-oriented people group of people because we think we need to get stuff back. If we, get, if we put something in, we ought to get something back. Not in the kingdom of heaven. It doesn't matter if they respond or not, does it? It shouldn't, but sometimes it does. I hope never for me. I'm going to give. I'm determined to do it in my handicap to give no matter what. And I think that's what God wants us to do as individuals and as a church. We should celebrate and not limit those who can't give back. We need to reach out to everybody. Amen. That means Jesus calls you and I to this others-oriented lifestyle. So that means every person we meet, every person that comes in contact with is important to us. Um, 
and we should be asking them the question. Jackie called up this morning, said she was sick, throwing up, and diarrhea and everything else, and didn't sleep all night. And I, I said, well, we're going to pray for you, but is there anything else I can do for you? That's what we should be doing, isn't it? I'm going to be praying for you, but what can I do for you now? And most people say nothing, but if we push it, there's something we can do in there. Um, and we should do it without ever expecting anything back. Every day, every day, Monday through Friday, I, I finish up this half an hour or longer, or whatever it is, um, with this comment. Just seek to be a blessing. Instead of seeking to be blessed, which is what we mostly do, let's quit doing that. Let's seek to be a blessing and ask God to use us for his kingdom work. Amen. To help the disability who are determined to stay that way and to help them become a disciple. Pray with me, will you? Heavenly Father, we're just thankful today for your love and your grace in our lives. We're thankful that you have helped us in our disabilities. Even though we might be determined sometimes to stay there, you help us get out and and grow in our discipleship. Help us to do that with everybody that is in our kingdom, the world that we live in. Help us to bloom there and um, be that lighthouse and be that blessing for all the folks that you will send our way. Help us to always be a living example of your love, and especially today as we think about being others-oriented. Help us to do that, Lord, as our prayer for your glory and your honor and praise. Do we pray these things? And all of God's children said, Amen. Praise God. Praise God. Okay, so um, the choir sang, uh, the cantata choir sang, um, um, what'd you sing? My piece. I always look at Jean for her, I think. Choir sang my piece uh, for the celebration of life for our friend Ruth. And so I thought we would uh, sing that as we go by back home today.